2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match, limited by state law.
1: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We are back. It's another night, right? We we got through another day. Ugh, oh, strange times. Uh, I'm over here on the West Coast, and you know it's so interesting to see the distinctions between how people respond to um, seasons. Uh, a lot of people live on the West Coast because they are absolutely in love with the sun and the heat, um, I'm not. And those that are, you know, loyal followers of my work are familiar with that. i posted about it on my social media, always trying to bring visibility to the lesser known forms of mental health and mental distress, but also kind of challenging some of the overriding norms and, uh, showing these, uh, you know, more peripheral pieces. And one of them is seasonal affective disorder. We're all familiar with that, I think, at this point, SAD. But uh, we've culturally held it as being about the depression or distress or discomfort or sadness that comes from the changing of the seasons, usually towards the darker seasons and the cold. But um, we need to hold space for those like myself who have that. But when that, that, that emerges for me with the sun and the heat. Um, I'm temperature, (laughs) I'm very sensory sensitive. I'm sensitive to loud sounds, bright lights, uh, high numbers of people. And I found ways to kind of accommodate that. I mean, it's no surprise that I work in an industry where I do therapy. So I'm often working with only two individuals, a couple or um, individuals themselves in deep intimate private spaces, right? I really like that depth. Um, So as the warmer weather and the sun emerges and everyone's like excited and going outside, I start to hibernate and um, retreat, which is a really powerful thing. you know, when we're spending a lot of times out a lot of time out in the world or with individuals, <clears throat> very important stuff, but we lose that time with self. Solitude is very important. And really check in on that with yourself. Do you fear solitude? Do you avoid solitude? And maybe look at what you could be missing from spending some time with self. Um, that is when we are most introspective. Now again, when in relationship with individuals where we're able to really drop down into those deeper moments, we can definitely learn a lot about ourselves by co, by having co-experience, right? Experiences with others and they help. And the discussion of maybe what we're experiencing, they help bring forth new concepts and ideas, right? So being with other is important. Never, never knocking that. I value my time with my friends. But I want us to just focus for a second on how much solitude do you get? And um, it's very different from boredom. You know, sometimes people get antsy and bored. Um, that's not solitude. Watching television just because you're by yourself, that's not solitude. Why, you know, slip, flipping around on your phone, not solitude. Solitude is time alone with and that was a word that was born out of you know a time pre technology, where if you see someone in line, even though they're alone, flipping on their phone, they're not they're not in solitude. They're actually very much connected to the world and others. It's just It's very direct, it's just that they're not present in real time, but when we're thinking of others or we're looking at pictures of others, we are psychologically and emotionally spending time with them. That is not solitude. You are alone, and that just means in terms of physical presence, there's an absence of others, but you're not in solitude. So try to build more time of that in. When are you with self doing nothing? Um, Maybe when you're running errands or listening to music or going for a walk, and you're able to really just not so much be a part of the environment, or maybe you are, but you're with self enough to allow your own thoughts and feelings and, em- and experiences to emerge. And I found myself doing that a lot at coffee shops. That's where I get a lot of my writing done. I'm very inspired by watching and witnessing others, but not necessarily participating. That's why I like galleries and museums and people watching because there's a proximity and a distance, right? That, that, that both are present. And, um, because I'm quote unquote on my own, uh, and I'm very, I am in solitude actually, right. It's just within the immersion of uh, space shared with others. I can let different thoughts and feelings come up and that helps me really get motivated. So anyway, <laughs> uh, heat, that's really what all that was born out of. So for those that struggle with the heat and the sun, I feel for you, but really lean into the solitude that can be born out of that, and how beautiful and transformative that can be, and motivating, right? New ideas and thoughts usually come uh, while we're on our own. But uh, the topic we're going to spend some time sitting with are some really easy daily habits that we can bring into our lives that can create really uh, deep, but also ongoing shifts and changes. We live our lives in in habit, in pattern, you know, very very much operating in an automatic way. Um, and yet the decisions we make, these really simple, more basic decisions can actually have larger impacts. Is that kind of tied to the whole butterfly theory where one small change, even somewhere very, very far away has such a drastic impact on the world in its entirety? Maybe, but I guess I'm saying more so that we practice And the question is, what are we practicing? What are our lives every day practicing? Is it practicing being disconnected from ourselves? Is it practicing working hard but being removed from joy and relationship? Like, what are we really centering and practicing every day? So we're gonna look at some basic shifts and changes we can make that really reorients our relationship to time, space, right? What we do with ourselves. So uh, stick around and come back. We'll be doing that. And then of course, as always, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So you got to join us for that. But if you got a DM for us, drop it in the uh, DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of Loveline, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Blam, bam, there they are. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. Stick around.
0: Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about some small changes we can make in our lives every day that have larger impacts. Why? Well, again, we're very patterned, we're very habited, uh, and um, we're always practicing something what are you practicing are you practi- what mindset are you practicing or what norms and values are you practicing or what forms of um you know lack of mental health are you maybe practicing right and we want to exa- not- we want to examine that and i'm all about really basic easy simple changes and that's when we were talking often and we will again about coping mechanisms and self-care it was always important to me to talk about them from a lens of really basic simple things cuz those are the most transformative. Like it's really awesome if you can plan a vacation away and go off grid, cool. It's really great and awesome for you and whoever else if you can, you know, book a spa day, um, and enjoy that. Lean into that. But those are not things that for most of us are really accessible or readily accessible or even doable at any point. But it's what really matters more and I want you to walk away if nothing else from this topic is that It's the simple daily changes that matter more. It's what we're practicing every day that means the most to our mental health and the sustainability of our mental health. It's not often these grand gestures because those are bleeps on the screen. Trust me, again, very important. They're meaningful because they we have something to look forward to. They can be completely immersive and they can be more expansive because maybe they they are for a few days. So yes, that has an impact on our nervous system, our mental health, but More so are these daily things that we're constantly building in, building into our psychology, right? Also building into our bodies. Please don't think that your mental health isn't impacted by your posture and your armoring, right? And please don't think that that's not something that we don't reinforce consciously and unconsciously, right? Do we move through the world in a shoulders back, head up confident way, thereby feeling more confident because confidence does require that posture? Or are we someone who's more hunched over and collapsed and head is dropped because that is something that's more rooted in shame and anxiety and that will create more shame and anxiety. If you just notice right now, if you bring your head up and you pull your shoulders back, you inherently are feeling more present and grounded and empowered. That's a that's an empowered stance. And if we're ever feeling very anxious or disconnected, if we bring ourselves into that position and move around in that way, we will inherently feel more confident. And just also notice when you put your head down and you, I mean, I'm doing it right now, and you collapse your shoulders in your body, that doesn't feel good. It drops us into a lower mood. And so we can kind of work with that. What do you think, you know, notice your body's natural posture, the natural posture with which you would unconsciously really step right into. What do you think that that communicates? Ask yourself, go look and say, what emotional experience am I centering and leading with? And then what might be the opposing emotional experience and what posture might pull me very much into that usually it's a lot of connection and disconnection from eye contact ability and often it's a lot of also collapsing or opening you know uh uh, and and that's born out of trauma right are we prepared to fight and flight are we prepared and trying to hide and break contact because of a lot of shame right and separation in our in our youth or adolescence Or are we someone who's been trained to believe that we are of worth and value and we open up and we receive people and connect to people and want to be seen and want to see, right? So that's all in there. That's that armoring, that's that somatics. And we'll talk about that at some point. It's a little bit in my book, uh, my second book, Rebel Love. I get into that a little bit. It's really nuanced work, very hard to write about. Um, It's easier done in real time. But again, my point being is we practice. We practice shame. We practice confidence. We practice anxiety. And the beautiful, beautiful outcome of that is there's a plasticity. We can start to perform. Everything we do is performance. We perform our gender. We perform our professional roles. We perform parent. We perform child. Like We perform these things, right? We are socialized to perform and step into what this is supposed to look like. We can practice performing confident. We can practice performing empowered as we learn how to Relationally live in that position of power, right? So, um, I just I don't want to get too far off course. I just think that that's an important like caveat to bring into this. But um, what are some specific habits that we can build into every day? So, some of this work is born out of um, studying minimalism, and I love minimalism because. Um, <clears throat> We know from mental health and studies around happiness that it's all rooted. And we talked two or three weeks ago about this a lot. So we are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. You'll find past episodes of Loveline, and you can look for the blurbs where I'm talking a lot about happiness. But we know that happiness is rooted in contentment. It's not in what you purchase, it's in you letting go of needing more or needing different and really just being with what you have. Contentment is what leads to happiness but we think happiness is about the accruing of new things. Like I got to go shopping, I got a new house, I got new shoes, you know, whatever it is. And that's fun, but that's joy joy is momentary bursts and blasts. You eat a donut, push, joy. You know, you went and saw that movie you wanted to see, push, burst of joy. That's important. Live your life with as many bursts of joys you want. That's also tied to the role of addict. And and again, controversial topic we'll talk about another time, but the the identity and lifestyle of an addict is someone who's living life a very short, fast bursts. They are not trying to live life in a slower, sustained way. And Neither way is a more legitimate way to move through the world. We overly obsess about slow and still, and there's value in that. But there's also value in, in, in speed, right, and in pops of joy and blasts. But we very much have fear around that. We're, we're always afraid of too much, except, except when we're talking about materialism. We are, we are obsessed with saying your personality is too much, you know, you're too loud, you're too outgoing, you're too this, you're too that, you're too weird. But we love maximalism when we talk about materialism. We are all about, we all want five cars. We all want five houses. We all want whatever it is, you know, 5,000 shoes. So we're all about maximalism in terms of materialism because we are so materialist because that's tied to ego. And none of that's real Form is never real. And that's when we talk about body positivity, not making our bodies our achievement or what our worth is tied to. None of that's real or sustainable. It's about contentment, learning how to be with what is. But again, we won't apply that love of maximalism to personality styles or psychology, right? We're all about stillness. We actually have to take a little break. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking about how happiness, mental health ties into minimalism and what are some of these basic things we can do every day that can have really powerful impacts on our mental health and our lifestyle. So uh, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about things we can do every day that really have massive impacts on our mental health and our lives but are quite simplistic Man, I've really broadened and complexified this topic. I just have a lot to say. So much comes out of this topic when I'm talking about it. And I think in our in our world, we're so obsessed with louder, faster, harder, more. That's capitalism and productivity that we always think the work is about doing more, getting more, right? Or challenging ourselves, no sweat. Right. What do they say? No pain, no gains, Something about sweat. I don't freaking know. But it's always about pushing ourselves and expansion, and that's exhausting. That's how we get to burnout. What we actually need to do is slow down and chill out. Now, having said that, I was saying in the last segment we're obsessed with this idea. It's like a, a, a bastardization of these Eastern concepts, and it's the Westernization of it. And we miss we misuse it um, because they were so obsessed with like. The idea that mental health and etiquette and respectability is tied to slow and quiet. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree with the fact that some of this uh, self-help culture and optimization culture is so toxic because it's always about achieve more, do more, get up at 5 a.m. and do this by 9 a.m. and do that. And it's like, it just sounds like burnout. And it's like in service of what? It's always in service of like more money and status and material. And none of those things are actually linked in any studies to happiness. They can have incremental moments of blasts of joy, but it balances out. And yet... It's one of those frustrations where we're still not really folding in reality or what the research tells us. We need to be buying less and doing less. But yet consumerism and marketing is always like, you need to buy this, you need to buy that. You need to optimize self-improvement. It's like happiness isn't born out of any of that. Neither is mental health. We know that. I don't know why everyone is still pushing for that. These IG pages of people in nice suits with watches in front of two fancy cars talking about, you know, I'll coach you and help optimize your life. That looks miserable. That looks like burnout to me. I would be impressed and I'd buy in if this person was surrounded by people they care about and love and they were living a life of purpose and meaning and they were resting and their life was centered in joy and pleasure. And if I saw that, I'd say, I'm on board. You know what I mean? But when I see these people just leading and living from ego and form and material, I'm like, they don't get it. They haven't done the work. They're not doing the work. You know, that's not what this is all about um, at all. At all, it really isn't. It's how do we slow down and spend more time with self and in solitude and how do we build a life separate from marketing and advertising and materialism and say, what gives me purpose and meaning? It's like that uh, Dalai Lama quote, the world needs more healers and storytellers. We don't need more successful people. We don't need more celebrities. We don't need more famous people. We don't need more wealthy people. They've done nothing. There's so many celebrities and wealthy people that have enough money where they could donate significant amounts of money and still be a millionaire and change poverty, and they choose not to. How many boats does an individual need? It's so ego-centered, it's so self-centered, it's so narcissistic, it's actually textbook uh, sociopathic the complete lack of regard for anyone else other than themselves and when you have that much money it wouldn't change your lifestyle to do something more with it but yet people like even myself who make far less money are constantly donating so much and trying to be on the streets creating change it's just so disappointing you know it's like when we tell people like take shorter showers to conserve water climate change it's like why don't we go after these large companies like coca-cola who are wasting water and are the actual massive impactors on things like water shortages and climate change the garment industry you know the water bottle industry these big corporations go after them not individuals at home telling them to not water their lawns like it's such a it's such a small micro thing go after the macro um, anyway, I'm getting off topic. Clearly I feel very passionately about this, but I think that that really matters. Like, let's come back to what this is really about, because as I'm going to give you these tips, these really easy tips every day to start to shift your life, they're not tied to getting a beach body or a gym body. You don't need to have that unless you're a model. And most of us that are listening are not. So take peace in the idea that if you're not a model, you don't need abs. Abs will not change your life. What you want is what you think abs will give you because we live in a body shamey culture, Right what also none of this is going to be tied to is how to get more cars, more status and a nice watch. Cause again, that's not what happiness or mental health is tied to at all. I work with some of the most successful wealthiest people on the planet and they have everything they could want and they suffer from the same mental illnesses and struggles everyone else does because it doesn't matter how many cars you have. It does initially once we get our basic needs met is what it shifts, so also know that. If your basic needs aren't met, yes, your happiness and mental health will be increased by acquiring things like healthcare, housing, food, yes. But once we hit a certain level of basic needs being met, it all balances out. Um, So let me see what I wanna do time-wise. Okay, so I'm not gonna get into the exact tips yet. Um, We're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back, glide into those DMs, and then we're gonna finish talking about what are the actual steps we can go through. What are these forms of minimalism? And I love that, it's minimalism. It's simple, it's easy, it's accessible. All the different things we can do that will really impact our life, right? It's not these maximal things. And that's great, because it, it normalizes everyone has access to it. Um, So we're gonna take a break, but before we do past episodes of Loveline, like I said, where we're talking about things like happiness ties into this topic is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. And if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always open, any question you got, Ask us. Always anonymous, confidential, whatever you're wondering about. Someone else might be too, so you're helping them as well. And if there's a topic you want me to talk about that I haven't covered, let us know. Or if you want me to uh, drop deeper into something and talk more about it, always happy to hear from you guys in reference to that. Um, Like I said, when we come back, we're going to be gliding into those DMs, so stick around and join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everything. Oh, alright you we are back and uh now it's time to glide into the dms brought to you by astroglide gliding into the dms as always the dms are open 24 hours a day anything you got drop it in there questions we're here for you anything you're wondering about topic you want me to hit on dive deeper into let us know producer alex uh she'll she'll get all that information to me um uh all right here we go here we go hey dr chris been listening to your show for a long time love everything that you do you talk about people in monogamous relationships i'm one of those but i think my girlfriend wants to try some of those other things i'm all for it i understand but i'm afraid if i allow her to do that i'll never get her back what can i do how do i need to reassess my thinking i know i'm being selfish but i really think she's the love of my life So much in there, and I appreciate people that are more monogamously oriented, get triggered or nervous when someone brings up some other style, but I I love that you are uh, willing to at least listen and explore, and that's all one can ask for. Um, That's love. That's care. Like, hey, I'm always here to listen and and, and hear you out. Might not be interested, right? Uh, Might get nervous, but uh, hey, I'm here to listen. So that's great. Some people are monogamously oriented. Some people aren't. Just like we have sexual orientations, we have relational orientations. Not everyone's built or made from monogamy. It's not healthy for everyone. And please don't think monogamy is always a great answer. For some people, it's the worst decision and they make it from the worst in them and it's not good for them. And they do it in a very toxic way and they suck the soul out of their partner and it's all about control and jealousy. It's a mess, right? And so talk it out. Your first entry point should be ask your girlfriend. Um, hey, what, what does that mean for you? Help me understand what what you mean when you want non-monogamy. Why, when, how? Has monogamy worked? How's it not worked? Sometimes it's just that people haven't had the experience of being with someone who understood how monogamy can go in a healthy way. That's part of it. Sometimes people can't imagine it being healthy because everyone they've been with was very jealous, controlling, sexist, misogynist. She might be like, look, I'm done being controlled by guys, you know? So talk about that. Let her know what monogamy means to you. Let her know why it's important to you find out why non-monogamy is important to her. Uh, And this is where we also bump into the yes, no, maybe list because this comes up with sex as well. Talk about what parts of it you are okay with. Talk about what parts of it you're not. Talk about what the maybes are. Maybe I'd be open to this, but I wouldn't be open to that. You know, be a little flexible because your desire or need for monogamy is not more legitimate, appropriate, or healthier than her desire for non-monogamy. Both are as equally legitimate, reasonable, you know what I mean? And the two of you come together and how you manage that is also her learning about you as a potential partner, right? So I like that you're approaching this calmly and lovingly, let her know your experience of jealousy and all that. And one of the top reason that people end relationships is due to jealousy and cheating, non-monogamy removes that because it's allowed. It's done in a healthy way. Relationships get to last longer. Non-monogamy allows for relationships to often have more sustainability and health. Uh we're not, it's not fear-based, it's not jealousy-based, there's no limits, you know? But um, it matters why, it matters how. So you have a zero, you have, you have zero. You have a lot of questions to still ask, you know? Um, because again, you're saying she wants to try other things. Maybe she wants to just try bringing in a third. What what would that mean to you? What would you need for that to have happened for you to be comfortable, right? Um, so I don't, I don't really know what that word means to her. Uh and I like that you said you're all for it, you understand, but you're afraid to allow her. This is an act of care and trust. She's saying, I, "I want to be able to stay with you, so I'm going to let you know what I need to make this work." So that's actually a sign of investment. You know, be comforted by that. And remember, monogamy is not what keeps people safe. Monogamy is not what pe- keeps people from cheating. The person's integrity does. And if they have integrity, they have integrity. And if they care about you in the relationship, they will continue to do things that look out for you in the relationship. Healthy people. In healthy relationships won't allow the relationship to get lost or drift. They'll do everything they need to do. So if you don't feel safe or comfortable, don't do open relationships. But with people we're safe with and we trust, those are the best people to try it with. And here's the other thing. It doesn't have to be a permanent decision. You can say, yes, I'm open to trying it once. Yes, I'm open to trying it for a few months. And then we'll talk about what worked or what didn't work and what we need to change. We're allowed to go through phases where we're closed, other phases where we're open. It's a, it's a, it's a work in progress Always always. So it's always ever changing. So maybe you're willing to just check it out, try it out and see how it goes. But uh, circle back and let me know. But I like the way you're beginning. You're, you're already trying to be a little open. So that's great. That's good stuff. Um, all right. We got to take a little break. Uh, yeah. But uh, drop some DMs in our in our DMs on our LoveLine AG page. They're always open. Uh, we'll be back though. And uh, yeah, talking about later in the show, how to deal with some social anxiety. Look, we all got that. So stick around and join us. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. We'll be back.
0: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide.
1: All right, we are back. And so we're talking about some basic habits we can shift and change, have big impacts on our lives. Because again, everything we do daily is a practice. What are we practicing? Remember that. What ideals, norms, and values are you practicing every day based on what you prioritize, what you ignore, what you center your day in, right? And how's your body mimic and mirror that? What's your body posture like? How are you moving through the world and what emotions does that uh, generate and give you access to? Look at yourself in the mirror and say, what does this communicate? And is that how I wanna feel and move through the world? And how can I move my posture to kind of shift that? So that's just a little reminder. But again, what are some of the things we can build in? I loved this idea. This came from researching minimalism. A three item to-do list. The three item to-do list, um, you write down three most important tasks that you need to do for that day. Right. And it keeps you focused on those priorities and it'll allow you to feel a sense of accomplishment. And there's something really powerful about that mental health. We need to feel like we're doing something meaningful with our time and our energy. And that's part of the work I do when I'm helping someone find maybe new career, is realizing that you wanna walk away from whatever you were doing going, I just did something meaningful. I just did something of worth and value. That's important. But even uh, outside of work, we need to feel that way about our days. I don't want our worth being tied to our productivity, so we wanna be careful about that because you have worth and value even if you had a day that you would call lazy. Laziness doesn't exist, it's called resting it's called play. It's called letting your mind wander. It's called giving yourself a break. It's called active imagination. It's called active rest. Like we're allowed to take days off and do nothing that falls under productivity. And I want us to feel great about that. So I don't want us to necessarily have to accomplish three things every day to feel like we have worth and value, but it is a good, it is a good way to center our day, deciding what do I want my day to be centered in? So that at least focuses us, like I'll say for instance, I want today to be centered in more rest, and so I'll create three things that are gonna be be restful, or I want today to be focused on really working on, I don't know, social media, and I'll set three goals around social media. It's achievable, I make them simple, and it makes me feel like I'm participating, because that's what I really want it to be about, like we're participating in something that has worth and meaning. Second one is moving your body, and this comes up a lot. Not everyone can exercise and move their bodies due to ability or disability, um, also due to accessibility, depending on how many people you live with and where you live and the environment outside. Not everyone lives in weather. That makes sense for them to go outside and move around. Not everyone has space inside, and that's why I always talk about moving our body every single day is so important for mental and physical health. That doesn't mean you need to you know, go play basketball, although that works. It doesn't mean you need to go hiking, although that works, maybe instead that day you take the stairs as opposed to just taking the elevator i do that all the time maybe you have access and can afford a gym or have child care and can get to a gym maybe i again my clients were blowing my mind with amazing examples during the pandemic they were roller skating amazing hula hooping um every night i do music therapy where i take an hour i turn down the lights i've told you this before i put on my headphones i listen to my music And sometimes I lay there and let it move through my body. Other times I dance around and it feels so good to move my body. Other times I'm cooking. Other times I'm reading poetry and I'm adding layers of sensory input, right? But that's still exercise. Any form of movement, stretching, yoga, gyrotonic, Pilates, dance, hula hoop. It doesn't matter. Also, here's the biggest one that they all kept talking about. Taking time away from the TV. TV sucks time away, but so does looking at the apps sucks time away. We talked about that. What's, what's a way to get away from that one thing at a time. If you're watching television, put your phone down. If you're going to go on your phone, turn the TV off or put it on pause. Same thing. If you're going to be on your phone, pause whatever you're doing, but we want to stop multitasking. We're losing ourselves. We're not sitting deeply with those around us or even the experience in front of us. If we're looking at an art gallery while also on our phone or cooking while on our phone, it's, we're doing too many things, one thing at a time, really come back to that. But Having said that, less TV, less social media. I've been putting my phone off and in a drawer for hours at a time. None of us need to be that accessible. For those that do, you have a different situation, go with that. But a lot of us, we can be unavailable for hours. You know, especially especially on our weekends. Our weekends, and if you work weekends, whatever days you have off, those are for you. You shouldn't be working. You shouldn't be contacted by work. You shouldn't have to always be accessible to friends and family members. You get time to yourself, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> Practicing gratitude, that was a big one for me. Writing gratitude lists, like what are the things in your world and in your life that have meaning for you? That's a really good habit. Um, writing every day. I know people that have done the artist way and continue to and they do their daily pages. I'm a big fan of people writing and journaling, especially when it has no goal. The minute we have a goal with something, we're tying it to capitalism and productivity and then we're setting ourselves up to think in terms of pass fail and success or failure and is this good enough? So always try to leave that out. And if we're doing something just for the sake of doing it, it's gonna be at its most honest and pure when we're producing or participating in something for just the sheer joy or pleasure of it, you know? Um, And also finally things like cooking and ritual to start our day, to end our day. I'm just trying to build that in too. that's a way to keep me focused on what I need to be focused on. There's a lot to unlearn in our world. Television, social media is feeding your brain and your psychology really poor, bad things, truly and taking time away and reading things like reading every day is a way to bring ourselves back to actually what's more meaningful and important um all right we got to take a break again uh we'll be back though and uh as always past episodes of loveline over at we are channel q so uh, head over there and check them out you're listening to loveline with dr chris loveline is brought to you by astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone we'll be back. All right, we're back and uh, I want to just take a moment and just really sit in how beautiful I feel it is. Pride season's here and I'm really impressed and excited and blown away by all the celebrities coming out as gay and queer and non-binary. floods of them, floods and floods, and I don't know what kind of media you all are following, so I don't know if you're seeing the floods and floods of people. It's quite phenomenal, and a lot of them are young, the younger generations, and again, I think that's born out of uh, more options, where older generations, we thought it was gay or straight, you know, that elusive bisexual person, and people were pretty trapped in that. And in just talking to different friends that had previously, even in my age bracket, <clears throat> identified as hetero, now that they're seeing less toxic masculinity, less homophobia, and they're seeing more hetero flexibility and fluidity, they're, they're, they're sharing with me more fluidity and flexibility. And some really, really beautiful, profound moments where I had a couple of people in my life that I thought were <clears throat> really diehard hetero. <clears throat> Excuse me, human being moment. Um, and they were saying, no, I just didn't feel like I had support or the ability, even with ego strength and confidence to really acknowledge that there's things that kind of expand outside of that. And what a beautiful time. And that's why some people are frustrated by the LGBTQIA plus acronym. And they're saying there's so many letters. It doesn't make sense. That's okay. That means that the growing acronym isn't for you. If it's overwhelming and makes no sense, sidestep it, step outside of that. You don't have to even step into that or engage it. Keep moving, you know what I mean? But for a lot of people, it's a sign of inclusivity for a minority, a sexual minority or gender minority who's never felt cared for, represented, or legitimized. And it is important and meaningful as part of their journey to see a letter thrown in that just determines, defines, holds space, honors, right, and really values them. And so I hope it continues to expand. And it includes a lot of people. We're going to get to a point, I believe, where more people will be part of the LGBTQIA spectrum than just the sense of hetero. It's like hetero and then everyone else in this fun basket. And I want it to be safer for people to really lean in and explore that more. And again, I'm thankful for the people that are coming out and discussing that because it's normalizing that. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with people who are saying, I don't even know what those letters mean. Cool, you don't need to then. It's not for you. But for other people, it's very meaningful for them. Um, and it holds space for a lot of diversity and creativity, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think at some point there's gonna be so many letters that it's gonna explode and become meaningless, but that'll be a sign that it doesn't matter anymore, that there's so much acceptance and there's so much space, and we're allowing so much room for self-definition that we don't even use those words anymore because they don't hold space or meaning, and we actually have to get to know the person before us. Because remember, these labels don't tell us much about the person. Someone coming out as queer, gay, bi, trans, non-binary, sexually fluid, they haven't told us much. We just know that they're not normative, that they're not hetero, awesome. We still have to ask so many beautiful questions. Well, what do you like within that? What does that mean for you? Because again, remember, these terms don't mean the same for everyone. So we still have to inquire, what does bisexual mean? What does sexually fluid mean to you? What does non-binary mean to you? And how do you perform that, you know? Um, And so we also have to remember that for some people, these are just minor parts of their total identity. And so we have to find out more and ask more to learn more because these are small parts of maybe who they are and how they move through the world or not. And so again, beautiful time. It's getting very diversified. I love that the younger generations are so brave and it's so inspiring and they're creating so much space for all these people that, as I said, are not part of the white cis hetero majority, you know? But we have to keep being inclusive because I'm still seeing... And it's getting better, but I'm still seeing pride flyers and events that are still only seeming to cater towards people that are gym bodied. We're getting better about more racial diversity, but they still tend to be very straight bodied or gym bodied. I'd love to see some larger bodies and fat bodies. Also love to see some more disability inclusion Right, there's a lot of disabled people that understandably fall under that rubric. It's not just all able-bodied individuals. So, like, let's expand that and make them feel more welcomed, more included, more acknowledged. So we have work to do around around some of those pieces. Um, but what a year, and I'm so proud of everyone, and I'm so proud of culture, and I'm, you know, whatever issues we might have with Biden as president, uh, I'm so, it's so beautiful to see him tweeting out pride flags and making comments, uh, along with our vice president, uh, Vice President Harris, making comments, wearing pride jackets, and again, we have a little few issues with how she is with the carceral system and, and all of that, but nonetheless, like, so much support uh, which is such a, a vast difference from the administration before, which was violent. And as we said, still so much work to do. There are so many states that are passing very violent, violent, violent anti-trans laws. And it's quite sociopathic and disgusting. And I'm really disappointed. And I, don't, I, I, I understand the mentality, uh, but there's so many flaws in it. And it's so dehumanizing. Um, and it's really them trying to still center themselves and their needs, right? Uh, so we have a lot of work to do. So do keep an eye on that. All's not well. You know, it's just because gays can get married in some places and we have lots of parades and lots of celebrities are coming out as queer and gay, doesn't mean the battle's done. Um, It is still illegal to be gay and trans in some places. They're still murdered. We need to take to the streets and protest that. We need a little more, you know, day to day energy behind that. So let's keep remembering that. You know, we need the allies to be allies, but we also need people in the community to keep pushing. Uh, We're not trying to move towards normativity, right? It has its own culture and community of its own, um, but we want to make that community and that culture safe and inclusive. Um, So so keep doing that work, you know what I mean? That's why I try to bring that kind of work to my listeners on the show because if y'all aren't willing to do that, I don't know who will there's a, a lot of the larger world doesn't, doesn't really care about these issues and doesn't really kind of uh, step into this work at all. So beautiful time. I hope people are finding what they need. And I also, you know, just sending some care and support to those who aren't in safe environments to come out. Um, be where you are. It's not safe for everyone to come out. The best thing in the world isn't for everyone to come out. There are some people where that is not advantageous for them, you know? And it doesn't get better for everyone. For some people, it will get worse. I need to hold space for that. It gets better for some people, especially if you're white, cis, hetero. It absolutely will get better. But for those that are of color, uh, maybe non-binary, disabled, non bodied, and again, things that don't meet some of these normative respectability standards, it doesn't necessarily get better. There's still a lot of work to do. And us allies in and outside the community need to be part of helping that work get done. So, more to do, still a beautiful time. Let's celebrate that. And it's so meaningful to see all the allies posting the pride flags everywhere. So, good stuff. All right, we got to take a little break. We'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and uh, gonna kind of uh, just take some time to talk a little about social anxiety. Like we said, Pride season's here, a lot of people are socializing, going to events and parties. Summer's here, a lot of people are going to the beach, going to pool parties, events, blah, blah, blah. Concerts are opening up, time to uh, get back to socialization. So what do we do if we have some social anxiety? whether that's just our typical characterological and psychological state or it's born out of you know time away due to pandemic what are some things to think about um this is something that i'm pulling a bunch of different research together the funniest outcome was the number one on a couple different uh pieces of research was talk to a therapist it's like okay we get that so we're gonna just kind of skip over that one um yes that will help also explore situations and work on building up your confidence what what we don't often want to do is pick the most anxiety-inducing situation and jump right in. That is never how psychology or therapy works. You start slow and you build up your resilience, right? Because what can happen is we can actually re-traumatize someone. If we push them right into a dynamic they're not ready for and it doesn't go well, it reinforces everything they're worried about and amplifies it. And you you possibly re-traumatize or create a trauma. And so we start slow. If, if you're, the big thing you're trying to do is a 10, we, we start with the level two and we accomplish that, we feel good about that, then we maybe move up to something that feels like a four. So write down all the different social things that feel stressful, give them a number grade, zero to 10 of severity and start with the easy ones and build resilience, right? Build competence, start slow but you don't just throw yourself in and sink or swim. That can work for some people, but for other people it's a horrible thing and it can just spike their anxiety and really make them overwhelmed and they're not prepared for that. So start slow, start easy, build up. Also challenge your negative thoughts. We make a lot of assumptions as to how things will be, how it will go, how it will feel. Most of the time we're wrong, right? And most of the time both experiences are there. We can go in that direction and that will be more stressful. Over there it looks a little easier. You know, I'm one of those people where I like really deep, intimate conversation. So if I'm at an event, I don't go in the direction of where there's a group. I go in the direction of where there's a person or two that I know or I want to get to know, and I sit there and we really form and build a relationship. I'm not the person who's standing around with four, six, eight, or 10 people, you know, having a group chat. I, I like intimacy and closeness. So I go in the direction of what will be most meaningful to me, but also towards what I enjoy. You know what I mean? And so it's okay to say what would be the most fun thing to do in this space, right? What would be most comfortable or most fun? And it's okay if it's strange, weird, or socially awkward. I have people do it all the time. Hey, why don't you come join the party? Because they see me off talking with someone. Hey, why don't you have better boundaries and not worry about what I'm doing? I'm, I'm taking care of myself over here. If you're having fun talking to people, keep at that. You know what I mean? So it's like let's not run commentary on what we see people doing and let's stand up for ourselves if we see someone running that commentary. Whatever you feel comfortable or what you're gonna enjoy in these social spaces is what you go do. But challenge some of those negative thoughts because often at events and parties, it's all there and we just have to access what will feel best for us. Time away, time with more people, time with less people. You know what I mean? So just kind of move through it that way. Like I said, small steps We're not trying to overwhelm ourselves. Also, you can like talk it out and role play with people. I do a lot with clients. I help them script what a conversation could sound like and they write it down and they take buzzwords from it or we practice it so that it feels familiar, so that it feels accessible, especially if there's certain things that are coming up. I have clients that are unemployed and they know that they'll be asked at a lot of different things coming up, what do you do for work? And instead of fumbling and getting stressed, we practice what their easy out-of-pocket answer will be and they practice it and they just, there it is, they just verbalize it right away. They already know what they're going to say. That reduces some anxiety. Having prepared answers that you feel good about for some of the more common questions that might make you anxious or throw you off. So think in those terms as well. You can prepare ahead of time. Also, you know, maybe go with people, go to spaces where you know that there will be people. And how about sometimes just saying no? It's okay to say no. It's okay to honor that something's not going to be good for you. Also, Relaxation techniques, sounds hokey to some, but I've done them, deep breathing, works very well for me if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I start breathing, slowing my breathing, slows down your thinking and your heart rate. You can also take time away, taking breaks by going outside, taking breaks by going to the bathroom, things like that that give you time away and you kind of oscillate back and forth, you know? Those kinds of things are very, 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 very helpful. Limiting your alcohol or drug use, which is so fascinating, because a lot of people think if you're really anxious, drink more it can make it worse. It can make you less of your best, right? Like you're functioning at a lower level, and um, you can start to create some of the things you're worried about happening, like embarrassing yourself or coming off uh, as though you're not really able to participate or engage or connect with people. So be thoughtful. You might, you probably would be doing your best the more sober you are, and if you require drug or alcohol, drugs or alcohol in order to have fun or participate in an experience, it might then just not be the right experience for you, right? If you need to alter your mind in order to find joy or pleasure or comfort in something, then that tells me in and of itself, it wasn't something that was joyful or comfortable. You know what I mean? And then it's probably just not right for you. Maybe you've outgrown it or now's not a good time. I don't know. Um, And basically just find other ways that maybe you, you, you try to be avoidant going in there and not, you know, feeling you know, some people roll in and they have that defensive personality style and energy around them and it's not very warm or welcoming. We try to work on kind of softening that on our way in. But um, all right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna glide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in our Loveline IG page. In the DMs and past episodes of Loveline, as always, are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it, bam, blam. There they are. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around, we'll be right back. Is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we're back, and now it's time to glide back into those DMs.
0: Gliding into the DMs.
1: All right, this one's a little bit of a long one. Whoa, all right, so hang in there with me, y'all. It's a long one, excuse me. Hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question about intentions in an open relationship. Ah, interesting. This is what the earlier DM was about. Uh, My boyfriend and I have been together for six years, and we both came into our queerness and our bisexuality. Welcome, welcome. Queerness and bisexuality is a beautiful place to be. I often live there myself. Welcome. Uh, We've agreed to let each other explore with the same gender in sex and dating as long as we're each other's primaries. Beautiful. See, that's where it's about the work in progress. We talked about in the earlier DM, you know, what do we need? What do we not need? What works? What doesn't work? Let's try this. We'll tweak it. We'll talk it out. I trust you. You trust me. We have open communication. High five. We got this. So I love this. You don't want limits. Relationships and marriage and all that shouldn't be about limits. It should, getting someone else brought into our life should make our life bigger, more explorative, right? We're not trying to do jealous and anxiety and limits and and control, like work on that if that's how you see things, right? Because you're going to bring yourself into someone's life and make their life worse and harder. This is an example of a couple that's like, let's deal with who we really are, what we really need, and try to figure this out. Uh, We've agreed to let each other explore. said that in my two experiences with women, they have told me they want it to be casual. So I keep it casual and they know about my boyfriend right off the bat. Beautiful. And that's, that's how you be respectful. Everyone has worth and value. Just because someone is a secondary, tertiary par- tertiary partner or one-off, you still are responsible and accountable to them, right? Mental health is considering the impact we have on everyone, even a one-night stand. We don't want to make people's lives harder, or more difficult for us having been in them, right? We want people to be better off or neutral. So I already love this so far. You're open. You're honest. Everyone knows where everything stands. That's called informed consent. They know that it's casual. You have a partner. They're telling you that. So far, this is really beautiful. Um, I'm very communicative about how the relationship is going on my end and I listen to their feelings so far. Love this. Love you both. Um, however, all right, here we go. <laughs> this is where dun, dun, dah, This is where I get let down. Just kidding. Uh, however, after about a few months, I feel them wanting companionship and I have to cut it off because it's not what I'm looking for. Okay. That's actually very loving, you know, to say, listen, that's not what I want. It seems like you want more. Let's talk about that. Maybe it's time to end it. I'm not sure if it's because they pretend my boyfriend doesn't exist because a lot of boundaries have been broken on their ends. I feel bad when things end and that they feel like I've led them on even though we've discussed the nature of the relationship. You are not responsible and do not feel bad. That's my answer. If you've communicated, you've communicated. You've let them know I have a boyfriend, we're open, And this is all I can afford, is maybe sexuality or a few casual hangs, but as soon as you want something more committed, more deep, more intimate, more consistent, more frequent, I'm not not available to do that. And if that's disappointing or hurtful to them, I hope they reflect and say, why am I expecting and trying to push for more than's available? If you've set a boundary and they're wanting more, that means they're not honoring your boundaries. So good for you, hold your boundary, respect your relationship and your partner, and just continue to be open. While acknowledging that some people fall for people, that maybe they enter thinking that they can manage this, they can handle this, feelings grow, and sometimes people are let down and that's okay. Your side of the street is clean if you're taking into account how you impact them, you're letting them know what's available and possible, and you're open with them, and that's all the best you can do. You know, sometimes part of romance and sexuality is bonding occurs, connection. We learn more about someone. We want more from them, you know? But I'm glad that you're holding your boundary and what's available for you based on what you've committed to with your partner. This is part of the game of love. It's part of the game of relationships. Friends fall for each other sometimes, right? So it's kind of how it is, but I like the way you're moving through the world. So props to you. I I loved that question because it was a beautiful example as to how we can all kind of move through the world and relate to other people, you know? Um, all right, y'all, that is our show. Tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about first dates. But again, this applies to everyone, even if you've been in a 50-year marriage because it's still basic tips and tricks and things to consider when we're moving through relationships with people. But uh, for those that are trying to set it up right, we're going to talk about things to consider for the first date. And then uh, we'll be talking about some stuff around monogamy, which is kind of just a little bit of a topic that seems to be in the air based on all these questions. If you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about or a topic you want us to cover, something you want us to drop deeper into, put it in there. And uh, past episodes of Loveline As always are over at WeAreChannelQ.com Scroll down, look for my face Click on it Bam, there they are And uh, maybe pick up my books Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines You'll learn a lot It's pretty good stuff Um, But yeah, join us tomorrow We'll be back Spend the rest of the night Tons of self-care Joy and pleasure And as much rest as possible As always y'all Thanks for hanging out And you enjoy the rest of your night
2: This episode is brought to you By Progressive Insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy Celebrity interviews or news